0: I am uh, so honored to really have the privilege. In the month of uh, July, Pastor Willie has taken some time off to uh, just kind of get along with God and spend some time, uh, you know, just uh, praying through where, you know, he feels like that the church should go and what direction and and all of that and and prepare uh, for future sermons and that kind of thing. And so in the month of July, he's given us the privilege, our campus pastors, To be able to share a little bit. And so uh, it's my honor, my privilege, just to open up the Word of God with you this morning. I'm going to ask you to take your Bible and turn to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. And we're going to look at verses 19 through 21. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 through 21. Before I do that, I'd like to share with you. You know, it was uh, September the 29th of 2008. That the stock market crashed. You remember that? The Dow Jones Industrial dropped 777 points. And until 2018. It was the largest point drop in its history. It plummeted because. Congress had rejected the bill. The bank bill uh, bail out. And, uh, and, but it had been building for a long long time. And then all of a sudden it hit. The Dow hit the pre pre-recession high on October the 9th of 2007 and it closed at 14164. Less than 18 months later it had dropped more than 50% to 6594. That was March the 5th of 2009. Investors bore the emotional scars from the crash of 2008. Many of you may have been affected by that. I know we certainly were. But on June the 1st of 2012, they panicked because of a poor jobs rating and all of a sudden the Dow dropped again 275 points. Now that wasn't the greatest drop in in all of history because during the Great Depression, you remember the stock market dropped 90%. Imagine what that must have felt like. It took it three um, that took three years for that to happen. But, but in, in 2013, after that 2008 experience, the stock market finally recovered. In the first six months, it gained more points than in any year on record. Stock prices rose faster than earnings, creating an asset bubble. And then the Dow set over 250 closing records up until February of 2018. But fears of inflation and higher interest rates and all of that began to cause it to correct a little bit. And so you know that it's kind of bobbled all the way around. That, you know, all of us probably were affected by that financial crisis. And you were fearful if you put your trust in the stock market. Now, in 2008... Karen and I had been a part of a parachurch organization. Now, I don't know if you know what a parachurch organization is, but it's it's an organization that comes alongside of the church. It's not a church, but it comes alongside of the church and assists the church in doing ministry. There are all kinds of organizations. There are parachurch ministries. One is Fellowship of Christian Athletes. It's called FCA, Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Campus Crusade for Christ, you may be familiar with. Judgment House, the ministry we were a part of, it was a parachurch organization. Then you've got First Priority, you've got All Pro Dad, all of those are organizations that are prayer churches. They prayer church organizations, they come alongside of the church to try to help do ministry and help out. So when the stock market crashed in 2008, people became fearful of their own investments and wondering, "Oh no, I'm losing these kinds of investments." So Uh, What we saw is that they still invested in the church. They still gave their tithes, their offerings to the church. But what we found is that parachurch organizations that came alongside had a more difficult time raising funds at that particular time. So Karen and I, in 2008, we were right in the middle of that. And so when the gifts kind of dried up a little bit, what we had to decide, okay, what are we going to do? So we had some people that were employees of ours, and we didn't know, you know, we, they were precious. We loved them, and we didn't want anything necessarily to happen to them. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? And Karen and I just decided, you know what? It's best if we step away. If we step back and just keep our folks in, 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 in place, we'll step back, and then we'll, uh, we'll just trust God. We'll trust God. And so we were nervous and, and anxious and we didn't know what we were going to do. But God had already been working in our heart. I had been talking to Pastor Willie even back then about the possibility of planting a church, you know, in that period of time. And so we stepped out and we did that. And in October of 2010, we planted our first church. And we started with 50 people and it was in Safety Harbor. It was at a former Methodist church and we met there and it was, it was going fantastic. We had a great experience But you walk around with fear and trepidation. God, you did tell us to do this, right? You did want us to step out. You do want us to trust you, right? We didn't know for sure what was happening. So 2008, the stock market goes crazy. We decide to plant a church in 2010. We're sitting here thinking, oh my goodness, what, 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 what are we doing? What are we doing? But God never left us. And he never forsook us. And I could go back. I even have a file of miracles. I have a file called miracles. Where God did miraculous things in our life to help us through those, or, that ordeal that situation. And we know that that was a training ground for us. God was doing something significant in us. I remember going into Chick-fil-A one day. By the way, you can't really get in Chick-fil-A anymore. You know what I'm saying? Everybody's at Chick-fil-A. But I, 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 we were, I went into Chick-fil-A one day, and I sat down with a guy, Ron Cooney. Ron Cooney is actually the campus pastor now at the Clearwater campus. He's preaching today, and Danny Bennett's preaching up at East Lake, which is great. I think it's fantastic. Well, I sat down with Ron Cooney, and he had a book that was, that was laying out there, and it wasn't the Bible. And I'm thinking, okay, why, why aren't you reading the Bible, bro? What's up? And he, he was reading a book called The Total Money Makeover by Dave Ramsey. And I'm sitting here thinking, I said, hey, man, what 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 you reading, man? He said, well, it's called The Total Money Makeover. It's by Dave Ramsey. You ever heard of it? I said, nope, never heard of it. He said, well, I said, well, what's the premise of the book? Don't make me go read it. Just tell me what the premise of the book is. He said, doing money God's way. And I said, wow, oh, okay. <laughs> I, I, I need that. This is right, right here around 2010, 2011. I, I need to hear what's God's way. And anyway... We, we read that book, and, and all of a sudden, we just said, you know what? we got to start doing this God's way. we got to quit getting all of this stuff and buying all this stuff and putting stuff on credit and all this kind of stuff and just trying to keep up with everybody. And so what we did, I, I went to Karen. I said, Karen, here's what we're going to do. We're going to cut up all of our credit cards. And I cut up all of our credit cards. MasterCard, American Express, Shell uh, Victoria's Secrets. <laughs> we cut up all of those credit cards. It was, uh, man, it was, and so we were really, really nervous about, about what we had done, but we knew that God wanted us to do this his way. So, and then I got to thinking about that. Wait a minute. Tires go flat. Air conditioners go out. You know, what, on a car, it'll go out. On a house, it'll go out. You better have some money along the side. What are you doing? I always had that credit card. I could pull out and just, oh, that's a good. That's good. But then it always came with some tough stuff on the end of it. So you got to understand our journey to understand this passage of Scripture that had been in my mind so much during those days when I'm trying to think, God, are you with me? Are you with me? Am I with you? Do you like me? Do do you love me? Help me, Lord. And those were the things, the conversations that I had with God. But Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 was a real powerful passage for me at that time. And as is the custom here at Calvary, as I read this scripture, I'm going to ask you if you would just stand in honor and reverence for God's word. Here's what it says in verse 19 of chapter 6 of Matthew. It says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on heaven and on earth. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Father in heaven, I ask you right in these few minutes, Lord, that we have together, that you would speak clearly to us a word that we need to hear about what it means to make wise investments. Lord, I pray that even as we have had to learn these things the hard way, God, that you will speak to our heart, all of us, that we might grow, that we might become more like you. Father, thank you for what you're going to say. Your servant hears what you're saying. Speak, we pray, in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You can be seated. Now, before anybody leaves, I just want you to know that I'm not really going to be talking about money. Okay? I'm really not. Even though that, that it's really all about your treasure. What is it really about your treasure? What is it that you really treasure in life? There are three things that you can do with your life. There are three things that you can do with your life. And here they are. I'm going to give you the whole outline right here. Ready? Number one, you can waste it. Number two, you can spend it. Or number three, you can invest it. You can waste it, you can spend it, or you can invest it. Now, many people think that they live and they have a great life. A lot of people think that, hey, I'm living and I'm living a great life. And yet, in fact, they are merely surviving and they're merely existing. To truly live means to immerse yourself in the journey of life and to make the most of it. You know, I mean, isn't that what life is really all about? To enjoy the journey. I've heard it said, you know, success is not a destination. It's a journey. And it is. It's it's the process of every day waking up and saying, God, it's a brand new day. I give my life to you. Lead me, guide me, help me in my life situation. I want to be yours Lord I surrender everything to you put the people in my path that you want me to love on and minister to somebody that needs a word today I pray you would help me to see so but unfortunately a a majority of people sometimes are wasting their precious gift of life doing things that really doesn't bring them joy they're not happy I mean you've met them they're the ones that have the scowl on their face, whatever it's called. You, you, you're, just, you're just somebody that's upset, angry. You know, you can see it on their face. And, and they're not enjoying life. They're not happy. They're not fulfilled. They're not content. I was reading a blog, and this lady was talking about five things that might characterize your life if you are, in fact, wasteful with your life. You may be. This is not Jeff Foxworthy. You, you might be a redneck if you, whatever. But, but it's sort of like that. It says you might be wasting your life if the TV has become your best friend. If you're just sitting down and listening to all of the. Propaganda and everything that that's coming through the television, because there are great television shows. There's no doubt about it. A lot of family entertainment things you can look look at, watch, and enjoy watching sports or whatever. But it no, doesn't matter. There is all kind of propaganda, all kind of messages that come through that that television. And if if the television is your best friend and you're spending all of your time with your television, you might be wasting your life. Or maybe she said also this. She said if. You do work that you don't love doing. If you're doing work that you don't love doing, then maybe you ought to think about how can you rearrange your life to do what is your passion. When I'm talking to people who feel like they're in a dead-end job, I just say, hey, listen, what is your passion? What do you love to do? Let's see how we can orchestrate things and try to help make it where, where you might could get to that point where you're doing what you love. I'm telling you, I'm doing what I love. And when I talk to people that are not doing what they love, I feel sorry for them because I'm saying, you know what? I I don't know that I could do anything else. I, number one, I don't have the talent to do anything else. But 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 the other thing is, you know, I just, I love what I'm doing. I love being involved in people I, people's lives. I, I, I'm in the people business. That's what I do. That's what I do. I love that. And then she also said, you might be wasting your life if you also always want to buy new stuff. If the old stuff isn't nice enough anymore and you've got to go out and get something bigger and better and bigger and better and whatever, you might be wasting your life. In our consumer society, we've been conditioned to believe that that, 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 that will make us feel great. If we can just have that, if I could just get that, then... But you might be wasting your life if that's the only thing you live for. Number four, she said, if your thoughts are constantly in the future. Hey, when I, when I get that new job, I am going to, I'm going to be successful. When I, when I get married, I'm going to be happy. When, when, when I have children, I'm going to, everything's going to be great. When I have grandchildren, hey, when I retire, everything's going to... And you're always looking to the future. You're not enjoying the journey. What about today? What are you loving today? What's wonderful about today? Man, I just, you know. And then she said this, lastly, she said, if you are blindly following orders from somebody else, blindly following orders from somebody else, then you're living somebody else's dream and you're not living your own dream. And so I I would just say, say to you, you know, there are people who are out there wasting their life. And I don't know how you feel about you. Maybe you're, you're in a situation where you say, you know what? God, I, I really want to really do something with my life. I want to do something significant. I want there to be a real, uh, something that really makes me feel worthwhile. That's what I want to do. I mean, some people waste their life with wild partying. Some people waste it on, on drugs and alcohol. And it starts out just to be a fun thing. It's just fun. Kids getting together, hanging out, doing it. Hey, have you tried this? Have you tried that? And then all of a sudden, they get, they get attached to it. They get addicted to it. And then they can't get out of it. And then they don't know what they're going to do. And they, waste, they end up wasting their life. I talked to, to one buddy who... Who, who said to me, he said, I was 14 years in prison. And he said, and, I, I, and it was all on drug-related charges. And he said, I, I, I feel like I wasted 14 years of my life. You know, you can waste it on being lazy. You can waste it on procrastinating. You can waste it on throwing opportunities down the drain. But not only could you possibly waste it, but maybe you are spending your life you can spend it trying to be the best to reach the top spending as many hours as you can at the office just I've got to build this business I've got to build this dream I've got to protect take care of my family and you're out there spending and spending and spending your life somewhere else other than where God intends you to spend it perhaps now I know how hard it is to build a business I know that that takes a lot of time but you have to let you have to own the business and not let the business own you You can spend your life. You can spend it on doing whatever it takes to reach your goals and and running over whoever it takes to get there. You can spend it on being self-focused and looking out for only number one. You can do that. Or you can waste it. You can spend it. Or you can invest it. You can invest your life. You can give back out of the things that you have been blessed with. You can use your time and your talents to make a difference in the lives of others. You can invest in people by being a true friend and someone that can count on you no matter what. The Apostle Paul, I love this. He he said this in Galatians chapter five. He says, "For you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for self-indulgence." But through love become slaves to one another. Serving one another. What Paul is saying there. You guys have been so blessed. You, you know you have freedom. Because of what Jesus Christ did for you on the cross. You're free. But do not get this freedom confused. For, for any time God wants a, give, grants us a blessing. Including freedom from sin. We are to use those blessings. To serve others. One of the blessings that we have as a church is that we're blessed with the good news of jesus christ i mean that's why we're here we're here to celebrate the fact that we are free those shackles that held me those chains that held me they are gone and i am free and i'm trying to tell other people how they can be free from the bondage of sin and the shame and the guilt of their past you can be set free It's such an amazing thing, and that's why we're here, and that's what we can do. We can go out because there are people out there who are desperate to know the love of God. They don't know what they're looking for. They're looking for happiness. They're looking for contentment, and you can tell others about him. Now, how can I make an investment? How can I make an investment? Here's how I I would say. There's three ways, really. Number one, I would say you can invest through words. You can invest through words. I heard these statements all of my life. See if you've heard them. Words are cheap. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. It's not true. Obviously, anybody who said that didn't go to middle school. (laughs) They never went to high school. Because words do hurt. And when we say things, people take those words and they, they run them, replay them in their mind, you know, over and over again. So the person... Yeah, you know, the Bible takes words very seriously as well as the the power that they have to do good and evil. Hebrews chapter 3 verse 13, it says this, But encourage one another daily as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Encourage one another daily. Imagine... That simply encouraging each other. Can have an effect on keeping each other from sinning. You know it's, it's so obvious that words do mean something. And that they carry a responsibility. On our part to make sure that they are positive words. That they edify. Now if there's something where you need to speak truth into somebody's life. You can do that. But you do it in love. You do it lovingly. And that's. What it's all about. Back in the, when I, one of the first churches I served was in North Carolina. And in North Carolina, I was, a, I was not only the the worship pastor, but I was the children's pastor and the youth pastor. And I was also the bus driver. So they had one of these big, you know, yellow school buses, except it wasn't yellow. It was brown and beige. And so I'm sitting there and we, we're on a Saturday morning and we're about to take a bunch of kids to the I uh, See, we were going to the skating rink, the roller skating rink. And so I'm sitting there, and all of a sudden, I just kept counting heads and making sure, you know, how many we got and all that. And I see this one girl sitting back there on this side of the bus. As the bus facing that way. She's sitting right over here, and she's just looking out the window. And I went over there to her, and I said, I don't know her. I want to go speak to her. So I walked over here to her, and I say, Hey, my name is Pastor Tom. I'm so glad to, to meet you. Uh, I, have you ever been roller skating before? She said nothing. She's just looking out the window. And I'm thinking, hmm, maybe, maybe she's hearing impaired. Maybe she doesn't hear me. I said, hey, I'm, I'm Pastor Tom. Uh, I don't skate very well, but, I, you know, I hope you skate well because you may have to come pick me up off the floor, you know. I don't know. I hope you yeah. can she said nothing. She's just looking out the window. She's probably 12 years old. And I went over there and I said, well, hey, I'm so glad you're with us today and I, I hope you have a good time and I hope you get to meet some other, other friends here today. She said nothing. She's just looking out the window. So I go back, I sit in my bus seat and uh, after I got and everybody counted and we go to the, we go to the skating rink and, and all of a sudden, I hear this girl cry out my name. She said, Pastor Tom, Pastor Tom, look at me, look at me, I can skate. And she's going all the way around. And she comes around, come on, Pastor Tom, get your skates on, come on out here and skate. And I said, what happened to this girl? She was an extreme introvert, and all of a sudden, she's an extreme extrovert. What happened? I'm sitting here thinking, what happened? And the only thing that I can figure, I couldn't tell you who she is today. I I have no idea who she is. But the only thing that I can imagine is that I just continued to show her love. And just love on her anyway. Anyway. I don't know, but man, she was all over that for two hours. Pastor Tom, Pastor Tom, come skate with me, Pastor Tom. Huh? Yeah, come pick me up, sister, come sit me up. That's what I need you to do. You know, but it was just some words that came out of my mouth and, and, and they had no magic. It was just, who are you? How are you doing? What's your name? Tell me about yourself. And she, and she just, she, all of a sudden she she just became somebody I didn't know. And it was the most incredible transformation. And this was 30 years ago. And I still remember it. I still remember it. You can invest in people with words. Listen as this. Proverbs chapter 25 verse 11 says this. Like apples of gold in settings of silver is a word spoken in the right circumstance. I tell you, people are literally dying for love today and our words can pay huge dividends you think about your kids your grandkids the words you speak that come out of your mouth they hear them I can still replay words that my father spoke to me and my mother spoke to me even as a child words are powerful so you can invest with words secondly you can invest through actions you can invest through actions. While words are powerful, actions do speak louder than words. We, we, we all know that. As Christians, we're, we're under the microscope, and people are going to watch the things that we do closely to see if we're walking the walk and not just talking the talk. First Peter 2.12 says, Conduct yourselves honorably among the Gentiles, so that though they malign you, As evildoers, they may see your honorable deeds and glorify God when He comes to judge. See, what Peter's saying here is that you can live a life of love even when people are mean to you. You don't have to return evil for evil. Any group of people who consider themselves followers of Christ cannot overlook the importance of investing in the lives of people. I think about uh, my, our team and uh, Justin, our associate pastor, you know, some of you are going to be called to teach and you're going to ask asked to be teach a class. And if you are a teacher, if you are a gifted teacher, then I encourage you to invest your life in teaching, pouring your life into somebody else. Faith Allen Takes care of our guest services. She's our coordinator. And every Sunday, she, like I said, she bears that responsibility of making sure that, that the team is in place. And all of us can come together. All the way from the parking lot to the donuts to the, to, to every, the welcoming guests. And people that are handing you uh, the, the outlines when you come in. There is so much that needs to be done. And sometimes there's just a small few group of people that do it all. And we need other people that are willing to step up. I think about uh, Matt Lauder who's coming on staff with us. You know, there are going to be times when when he's going to need people to enter into the throne room of God and for us to come into worship. I know what it's like to be a worship pastor. Now, you guys are not this way. You guys enter into worship, and that's exciting. But sometimes being a worship pastor is like taking a a T-model Ford, trying to crank this thing up from, you know, let's get people to get happy. Let's get people to get excited. You know what? What I've learned is if I just worship. You'll come with me. And if I don't worship, then you won't, you won't come with me. So I just want to encourage you, you know, when, when he comes up and then enters in, hey, let's stand and sing, let's do whatever, you know, that we do that, that we just worship the Lord together. He's going to be in student ministry and there are going to be kids that he's going to invest in. He's going to invest in those lives. I think about Andrea Hubbard. And I think about Brenda Ainley and doing our children's ministry and how they're starving for volunteers back there. They're starving. I wish I could go volunteer. I, w- I would love to. But I, I'm going to be the campus pastor. But I will. I'll go. I'll go. <laughs> I remember this story one time. Uh, Skip, you'll appreciate this. That one time there was this. The pastor was always saying, Would somebody please volunteer for our preschool? And nobody would raise their hand. And all of a sudden, one little person said, Okay, I'll go and do it. Well, there was this Harley Davidson rider. And I can say that because I loved the ride a Harley and this guy looked rough and tough and I mean he had tattoos everywhere and he got saved and he would come down and sit on the front row and that Sunday morning the pastor just says is anybody willing to help in our preschool and this rough rugged Harley Davidson guy raised his hand and 100 people out there raised their hand too (laughs) they didn't want him taking care of their kids you know So, I think I might do that. I'm going to plant a Harley guy in here one day. Or you can just sign up to help in preschool once a month. That would be great. You know, Brenda Ainley and Andrea, they do such a phenomenal job taking care of our kids. But they need help. They need volunteers to come along. We can do that. We can invest. I think about Mitch and Bev Ross, you know, who are going to be working with our seniors. Seniors are so important. The wisdom that you have, the knowledge, the understanding, the life experience that you have, that you get to invest in some younger men and women, is just amazing. And so Mitch is going to kind of encourage that and say, come on, let's pour our lives into some of these younger families. How exciting is that? Man, the final way that we can invest in others is investing through prayer. Investing through prayer. You say, I, I, can't, I can't work in preschool. I, they will give me a heart attack. You know, I can't work with students. I can't work with youth. I, 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 there's no way. There's no way I can do that. Can you pray? Do you believe in prayer? Do you understand the power of prayer? Mike Hashay, pastor, one of the pastors at Clearwater came down here and stood right there. We had this, this room almost half full. I mean, it was, it was 65, 70, maybe 80 people that gathered here on Wednesday night to learn about relational praying. Praying. And I'm going to tell you something. There was a fire... That got lit in this place. It was unbelievable. I still got my book. I go through it all the time. And it's all about praying. And if we, the people of God. At Calvary Seminole. Will become people of prayer. I'm telling you. You can invest in the future of this community. Because God said. If my people. Which are called by my name. Will humble themselves and pray. And seek my face. And turn from their wicked way. Then will I hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin. And I will heal their land. Wouldn't you love to have a prayer meeting like that? Oh my goodness, we are going to have a prayer meeting like that. I love it. You can invest through prayer. Prayer is the most powerful tool that we have available to us. Marriages can be restored. Families can be reunited. Individuals' lives can be made whole. My question to you is this. Do you want to see God move in our church? Do you care? Do you care? Oh, amen. Hey, amen, amen. Uh, That was sort of a rhetorical question, but I like it. I like it. Amen. Yeah. Do you want to see God move in your family? Amen. Do you want to see your husband become the spiritual leader? Oh, that was mostly ladies that said that. Do you notice that? I'm going to say that again. Guys, you can say amen at that. Do you want to see your husband become the spiritual leader? Hmm. Do you want to see your friends experience victory over depression, over anxiety, over addiction, over sickness? Amen. Then let's pray. Pray, pray, pray the best investment that we can make and you can make in your life and in the lives of others is prayer. Is prayer. If you want to make a wise investment, let's do so with words. Let's do so with actions let's do so with prayer. Pray with me. Father, thank you this morning for your word. So powerful. Your word is so amazing. It speaks so strongly. It cuts us open and it heals us all in the same time. I want to put my treasure in heaven. I certainly am not saying we don't invest I'm not saying that at all but I am saying that the most important thing we can invest in is in the lives of others in the kingdom of God we love you Father and I believe this morning I believe this morning that there are people who want to make things right with you I want to tell you ladies and gentlemen this altar is going to be open this morning or anybody who wants to come and just pray. Maybe you want to grab your, your wife or children or whatever by the hand and you just want to pray. And, or maybe you want to come and say, you know, Pastor Tom, I've never trusted Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior. I believe that he died. I believe that he lives again. I believe that he did that for me. And he, and he's taken my sin and, and, and washed it away. And I'm going to give my heart to you. If that's the desire of your heart, I want to encourage you to do that this morning. Or maybe you just want to come and pray and say, God, there's some other people that I know that need you desperately in their life. I, I just want to pray for them this morning. Whatever your need is, this altar's wide open. I'm standing right here. You do what God tells you to do as we stand together. Father, I pray that you would have your will and your way in this place this morning. Do what you will. We love you and we praise you. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Let's stand together.